We're on a mission from God. And now, something completely different. This is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark, and this morning, in honor of the Reformation, we have a special guest on Wrestling with the Basics. We welcome to the studio this Saturday morning, none other than Dr. Martin Luther himself. I, I, I thought there might be a fanfare or something there, but, uh, well, anyway, it's good to be here with <laughs> you, Pastor Clark. Sorry, Dr. Luther, no sound effects, sound effects this morning. They're down, down, I know. So we're doing it like we used to do it back in the old days, 500 years ago in the Reformation. We had no sound effects. No, no. sound effects. No. You just had to record with no sound effects. I That's see. Right. Yeah, no holy cows today, no fanfares. <laughs> just Dr. Martin Luther. And it's been a while since I've been here on KFO. Good to good to be back. Well, it is very good to have you back. Uh, usually, Dr. Luther, we think of you as the father of the Reformation. You are a key figure in the historical events that changed the face of the church really forever. You wrote powerful documents like the Small Carter Articles and the Small Catechism that clearly formulated the fundamental doctrine of justification by faith. I understand this morning you don't want to talk about these things. I understand that what you would like to talk about today is your family life. Yes, that, that, that is correct. And, and, and to that end, let me make this preliminary comment. I think we all take our families uh, too much for granted. Our husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. We sometimes forget that all of these are part of the plan of God. Part of the, the plan of God, you say? Well, yes, yes. Family is intended by God to be a, a, a schoolhouse of sorts, a, a way in which he teaches us important fundamentals. And what are those fundamentals, Luther? Well, well better than telling you, I'll, I'll show them to you as I share with you the story of my family life. But let me begin with a Bible passage that hints at what these fundamentals are. From Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only so... But we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Well, thank you for that scripture, Luther. Uh, now, if you would tell us a little bit about your family life. Well, you know, actually, at, at first, I didn't think I would even have any family life. <laughs> in my wildest dreams, I never thought that a wife and children would be in my future. Well, why is that? Well, for one thing, you know, uh, Matt, I was a monk. <laughs> I'd taken a vow of celibacy. I mean, that pretty well puts a big kink in having a wife and children. Well, that's true. <laughs> oh, but there were, there were other obstacles as well. Other obstacles? Well, what other obstacles? Well, uh, frankly... Uh, <laughs> I didn't see any purpose for having a woman in my life. I mean, I'm not saying women are not important. Uh, God created us male and female, and our forms show the purposes for which we were created. What do you mean our 
forms show us God's purpose in creating us? Well, well just look at yourself. Uh, go, go look in the mirror, Matt. Uh, men have broad shoulders and narrow hips. And accordingly, uh, they possess intelligence, right? The broad shoulders to hold those heads. Obviously, God designed these broad shoulders to carry the head, the intellect of the world. Well, I can't see your point there, Dr. <laughs> I Luther. Thought you I'm, could. I'm pretty broad-shouldered myself when I look in that mirror. However, I'm almost afraid to ask... What does the form? What does the form of the woman show? Well, when when you go home tonight, take a look at your woman. Uh, women have narrow shoulders and broad uh, hips. Uh, women ought to stay at home. Uh, the way they were created indicates this, for they, as I said, have broad hips and a wide um, a fundament uh, to sit upon to keep house and bear and raise children. Well, Luther, I don't mean to get politically correct with you, uh, but you know we do have many women who listen to this show. Many clear-thinking and very knowledgeable women, I might have. Well, well, excuse me if I offended anyone. Of course I wasn't talking about any of the women who would listen to such a wonderful show as this. <laughs> Especially Jolly John's wife. I'm <laughs> sure she's right. probably listening this oh, morning. Yes, I'm <laughs> Lynn's sure those, probably listening. Those women would all be exempted. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you know, I'm beginning to see why you thought you'd never get married. What woman would have you? <laughs> well, I guess there is more truth to that statement than I care to admit. Really, Luther? What do you mean? Well, I, I, let's face it. I, I wouldn't make a good husband. I, I was no homebody. Uh, many an evening I spent with my students and friends drinking ale at the local tavern. In fact, you know, I frequented the tavern at Wittenberg so often, they gave me my own stein. Your, is that right? <laughs> do, you have, do you have your own stein down there at the bars you frequent? Not yet, no. <laughs> Something to aspire to, I guess. Uh, well, the, the stein they had given me actually has three rings, and the first uppermost ring I called the Ten Commandments, and the middle ring I called the Apostles' Creed, and the ring that encircled the bottom I called the Lord's Prayer. Trust me, there were many a night when that stein was drunk all the way down to the forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're not saying you're a drunkard, are you, Luther? Oh, oh, oh no, no, of course not. That, that drunkenness is a sin. I'm just saying I, I liked my ale. I, I liked my friends. I was not the kind to spend a lot of time at home. Although I don't know that my wife would have appreciated my home, even if I were there. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Oh, well, I don't know about you. Do you make your bed every morning, Matt? Well, not every morning, Luther. <laughs> my wife is probably listening, too, by the way. <laughs> I was a terrible housekeeper myself. My dwelling looked like a pigsty. That is, if pigs lived in pens filled with manuscripts, books, paper, and ink. Why, uh, not only hadn't I made my bed, but I hadn't even changed my sheets for over a year. There, there just wasn't any time. <laughs> Was it really a matter of time or just too many steins drank down to the Our Father? You know, that's exactly what my wife Katie used to say. <laughs> well, so why did you get married, Luther? Well, I didn't. I didn't for a long time. My friends kept encouraging me. Oh, not for the sake of love, mind you, but for the sake of my teaching. I had preached that monks and nuns should not be bound to the vows that they had taken in youth. I encouraged them all to take for themselves spouses. Marriage was the institution ordained by God, not monasticism. I suppose many people thought it was a matter of practicing what I preach. So why didn't you take a wife right away? Well, uh, to be honest, I was tempted because I, uh, I feared my martyrdom. 
Remember at this time there was a bounty on my head. The Pope himself would have paid hundreds of ducats for the dead body of Martin Luther. I had opposed the anarchy of the peasants. Any number of them would have loved to see my head on a spike. I truly thought I would not live out the year. Why should I marry? Only to make my wife a widow. I was determined that despite the appeal of my friends, I would never wed. I see. And yet you did get married to Catherine von Bora in 1525. Good point, dear sir. You now have learned the first lesson God would teach us through our family life. Man proposes, but God disposes. <laughs> if we learn nothing else from our families, it is that we have no control over our future. Things seldom work out the way we planned. But that's all right. They do work out the way he plans. And, and as we've heard earlier, his plans are to give us a future and a hope. Well, so tell us, Luther, how did you, a confirmed bachelor, come to meet Catherine von Bora? Well, I suspect it's probably like, like your marriage. What's, what's your wife's name again, Matt? Lisa. Lisa. I, I imagine you can see some parallels here. We may not see this, of course, but, but the Holy Spirit, may he grant us to believe it, that it was God who chose my wife, and it was God who chose Lisa as well. And, and what was this uh, wife of Pastor Lekomsky, as you said? Oh, yeah, Jolly John's wife, Lynn. Okay. Lynn Lekomsky. Well, I pray yes. for you and Pastor Lekomsky that you may see it was God who gave you your wives. Uh, you see, outside Wittenberg, there was a nunnery, and it came to our attention that several of the nuns there had converted to the Lutheran cause and wished to be free. But, but how to effect their escape? Uh, the nunnery was supplied with victuals by a grocer friend of mine named Mr. Cop. Every week he would bring in a load of 12 barrels filled with pickled herring and then return with 12 empty barrels. I wonder if anyone noticed on this particular visit that the wagon springs sunk as low on the way out as they had on the way in. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> I found myself with a wagon load of vestal virgins, all more <laughs> eager for marriage than for life. God grant them husbands less worse befall. <laughs> well, I, I'm almost scared to ask, but what happened next? <laughs> well, the first thing we did was uh, get them baths. <laughs> I mean, what man would want to marry a woman who smells like pickled herring? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, that doesn't sound all that bad to me, <laughs> although I prefer the smell of salami myself. <laughs> You do have a point there. Uh, truthfully, truthfully, we had no problems finding situations for most of them. Three of them simply returned to their homes. Six were married, but there were still three that remained. Indeed, I was encouraged to take one of them for my own wife, but I said, why take one when I have three wives? I hope to love them so hard as to lose them to other husbands. And so it was, except for one <clears throat> particularly stubborn one. <laughs> A stubborn one? Well, we found any number of suitable matches, but none of them suited her. I know what you mean. You know, women can be so picky. Uh, but then again, no woman wants to settle for the first man to come along. Well, come on now. We, we, we had arranged a marriage with a patrician in Nuremberg. Although that wasn't his fault, his family found out that she was a former nun and would have nothing to do with the marriage. Oh, but then again, there was Dr. Glotz, a very willing and eligible candidate, uh, perhaps a little long in the tooth, but, but he was a doctor after all. <laughs> I wonder what he smelled like. Oh, oh. <laughs> Well, whatever it is, she must have really despised Dr. Glotz because her own words were that she'd rather marry anybody than Dr. Glotz. Why, she'd even rather marry me. So I married her. <laughs> you married her. 
Just like that. Well, it really wasn't that quick. First, I had to talk to my father about it. Did you talk to, to your father? Did you talk to your wife's father before you were married? I sure did. And yeah. I'm assuming uh, they were in favor of this? They, they were. They supported it, yes. Well, Supp so it was. To my relief. Great relief. <laughs> <laughs> well, one worries, does it? One worries. Know, yeah. But my father, too, was overwhelmingly in favor of me getting married. And he was concerned, you see, that the good name of Luther be passed on. So you married her to continue your lineage. Oh, no, no, not at all. That was my father's concern, but not mine. My name is written in the book of life in heaven. That's all I'm concerned about. But my father did get me thinking, what if I were to die? What if people were to say, there's Luther for you. He said one thing, but did another. How can you trust a man who doesn't practice what he preaches? So I married her, not because I was particularly attracted to her, but for theological reasons, to perpetuate not my name, but the truth of my teachings. Besides, I, I'm kind of like you. I kind of have a fondness for pickled herring anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you are an incurable romantic, aren't you, Luther? Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that from you. you. You modern people are all about the romance. Now, there's something that you could learn. Which is better, I ask, to start with love and then lose it all as it so happens in your modern marriages, or to start off with the practical and then learn to love? Uh, so it wasn't just a marriage of convenience. Uh, there was some love there between you and Katie. I thought we were being married for reasons of practicality, or at least that's what I told myself. Perhaps I was fooling myself, trying to convince myself that I, Dr. Luther, only acted out of reason and obedience to the word. There is no doubt about the end, however. In the end, I loved her dearly. There's nothing quite like the experience of going to bed and waking up in the morning and finding a pair of pigtails on the pillow, which were not there before. <laughs> you know, there are many reasons why we marry. What is important is that we remember the commands that God has given about marriage, that we believe the promises he has made about marriage. And in time, he will give us a gift of love that far surpasses any infatuation we may have felt at the start. So, after all this delay, was there a long engagement? Oh, no, no, not at all. I proposed to her on May of 1525, and we were married at the church on June 10th of the same year. Like I always say, don't put off till tomorrow. By delay, Hannibal lost Rome. By delay, Esau forfeited his birthright. Christ said, you shall seek me and you shall find. The scripture, experience, and all creation testify that the gifts of God must be taken on the wing. Then, on June 27th, we invited all of our friends to a great celebration of this gift of God. Why, I even invited my good friend, the grocer, Mr. Cop. I told him I didn't need any more barrels of pickled herring, but a keg of Targau beer would do nicely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're pretty good with uh, your dates there. Uh, frankly, I have trouble remembering the date of the my engagement and wedding. Well, trust me, uh, Katie was very good at helping my memory, particularly with those dates. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, you might forget them once, but you won't forget them a second time. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us, what was life like in the Luther household? Well, uh, like most couples, getting started is always a challenge. Uh, my parents were fairly well-to-do, but what self-respecting man wants to live off his father's wealth? Katie's mother, on the other hand, had died in childbirth. Her father was the one who had consigned her to the nunnery. He had remarried and wanted nothing to do with his orphan daughter. 
but surely you must have made a decent salary as a university professor. Oh, actually, I don't know what it's like today, but all I got was a stipend. My food and housing had always been provided by the monastery. Obviously, I couldn't live there with my wife. So there I was, left out in the cold with nothing but my robes, my books, and my new wife. But again, there is another lesson God would teach us through our families. And what lesson is that? Trust not in God, but... I'm sorry. <laughs> Dr. Luther. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pay closer attention. Oh, that's all right. You are getting long in the tooth a little yourself, Dr. That's right. Luther. We... Well, obviously, we don't want to trust in man, but we want to trust in God. That's oh, that sounds pretty to good to me. Good. So my dear Prince Frederick, uh, my protector and provider from God, doubled my stipend from the university. The Augustinian cloister was remodeled to provide a home for Katie and myself. Many of our friends showered us with gifts. And, and don't you see all, how all of these were, were God's instruments, God's blessings? But the best blessing of all was Katie herself. Why, why, she was not only wife, but farmer, too. She tended the garden and orchard and a barn as well. I love to call her my mistress of the pigsty. Yeah, I bet she liked that. <laughs> <laughs> and what contributions did you make to the household, Luther? Uh, what contribution did, did I make? Um, what did I... Uh, well, well, let me think. Uh, oh, I, I know... I was the one who brought joviality to the household. I was the one who brought all my friends and students home for dinner. You brought home all of your friends and students. Well, we couldn't spend all of our nights hanging out at the taverns anymore. I was a married man. So you brought them home instead. I sure hope you called ahead and warned your wife you were bringing company. Oh, no need to. That's what I loved about Katie. She was resourceful. Uh, she could whip up a meal for 20 at a moment's notice. Indeed, that's what I brought to the family. Joviality and generosity. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So generosity too, huh? Well, yes, it, it was Katie's job to handle the bills. I never worried about debts, debts with Katie around. I mean, after all, why do we worry about debts? You never run out of them. <laughs> you pay one off, there'll just be another one. Katie paid the debts of the family, and I took care of giving the gifts of the family. In fact, I was so generous, helping anyone I encountered who was need. Indeed, even giving away some of the wedding presents uh, until uh, Katie hid them on me. <laughs> Well, Luther, I've done some stupid things in my marriage, but even I have never gone that far. Well, maybe I did kind of overstep the boundaries with that one. But that was just another reason Katie was such a great blessing to me. Honestly, I had no idea how to handle money. As a monk, it was never an issue. I had taken a vow of poverty. And it appears as though you were determined to Keep that vow even after you were married. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose I deserve that comment. When I married Katie, no one would accept a bank draft with the name of Luther on it. But she would change all that. She, she brought great changes to my meals, my finances, and my life. I bet she changed your sheets for you as well. <laughs> that she did. Uh, but not without a certain amount of controversy. That is another thing I suppose we learn from our families. What is that, Luther? That we are all sinners. It shouldn't surprise us that husbands and wives have their differences today. 
can you imagine what it must have been like for Adam and Eve living together for 700 years? Can you imagine the squabbles back and forth? You ate the apple. You gave it to me. I remember <laughs> once when Katie and I sat around the supper table. With 20 of your most intimate friends. Well, well yes, there, there were a few friends there. In fact, I was expounding on the latest travesty from Rome. When Katie had the audacity to say to me, Doctor, why don't you stop talking to eat? So I replied, I think that women should repeat the Lord's Prayer silently before opening their mouths. Oh, I bet she appreciated that comment in front of all of your colleagues. Well, let's just say I, I didn't get to enjoy the advantages of clean sheets that night. <laughs> <laughs> But, but don't you see? Uh, what what can you expect in a marriage? Here we take two people born in sin and conceived in iniquity and make them live together until death do them part. It's only to be expected that they inevitably see themselves as the sinners they are. But that's all right, as long as they also see Jesus, who has forgiven their sins. Indeed, in this way, they learn the true meaning of forgiveness and what it means to have unconditional love for someone. I once said, all my life is patience. I have patience with the Pope, the heretics, my family, and Katie. And it sounds like she learned to have patience with you as well. <laughs> well, well said. My advice for all you wives out there listening is to make your husband glad to cross his threshold at night. And my advice to husbands is to make your wife sorry to have you leave in the morning. Luther, before we conclude our interview... I'd like to talk to you about your children. Oh, children. Now, there's another way God teaches us faith. On June 8th, 1526, Katie fulfilled Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, with the birth of our firstborn son, Hans. There would be five other children, Elizabeth, Magdalena, Martin, my namesake, Paul, and Margaretha. Of course, there were also four orphans we raised, as well as any number of other friends and family who took extended shelter in our household. <laughs> Why, I remember we even housed Karlstadt on our wedding night. I'm surprised you ever got to enjoy the luxury of clean sheets. Well, uh, obviously I did. As I said, we had six children, you know. <laughs> now, now, children, uh, God definitely must have a sense of humor. What a joyous nuisance they are. Why, when they are little, they do nothing but ball endlessly. This is the sort of thing that caused the church fathers to vilify marriage. And if it wasn't for their crying, then it was the dirty diapers. Are you telling me that you, Luther, actually helped with the diapers? Well, I, I wasn't a totally hopeless case. Although, think about it. The great Dr. Luther hanging out diapers. How the neighbors must have laughed. But God and the angels smiled. Don't you see, I used to think the greatest work I could do for God was to fast for days, to pray for hours in my cell, to walk up the Sistine Chapel steps on my knees, when really the work that was truly great in God's eyes was to simply change a baby's diaper and burp him on my shoulder. Luther, I sense that you really loved your children. 
But what did you mean earlier when you said children are another way God teaches us faith? Well, I tell you what, I, I see on the big clock on the wall that we're about uh, done with today's episode. How about if I continue the story of my children and the struggles and trials they brought into my life uh, next week? Would that be okay? Well, that would be excellent, Dr. Luther. I think our listeners would love to hear more from you. And that gives Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky a little more time off, too. So I'm we, sure he's enjoying this vacation. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Uh, And as we celebrate the 499th anniversary of the Reformation this year, significant milestones. We approach the 500th in 2017. It is an honor to have you on Wrestling with the Basics.